Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of WN Movie Talk Podcast, formerly known as We Need to Talk About Movies Podcast. I am Trev, and I am here on my own tonight to discuss the films of 2022. Now, I'm mainly going to talk about the films I've seen, I haven't seen them all. Uh, I didn't get out to the cinema quite as much as I had wished this past year. Um, there wasn't always something I felt like watching, to be fair. And I know I do like to try and support the cinema, but, you know. It's another weird year for the cinemas, wasn't it? Because a lot of the films just got released at the cinema and then straight away they're streaming again, which is odd. And I know I like to see a film in the cinema, but this year there's been films where, you know, like the Marvel films, you know, the kids want to go and see the Marvel films. And I'm like, should we just wait and till it's streaming it'll be on in a couple of weeks so even i'm not paying to go and see some films but then i can't always be bothered to sit through the marvel films if i'm honest um yeah last year i sat with robin and discussed the films 2022 this year i'm doing it on my own it is i am running a bit late i know it's february so uh you know i like to be up to date current with the times but um, before we crack on with that, I'm going to just look at, I've gone to uh, Box Office Mojo, uh, which is the 2022 Worldwide Box Office. And we're going to go through the top 10 of the top rated movies. Okay. And then I'm going to say, see if there's any there that I've seen. So these are from 2022. Number one, oh, hang on, should we count down from... Number 10. So, number 10 is a film called Moon Man, which I must admit I've never even heard of. Uh, and that's because it's a foreign film. So, it probably didn't even get released over here. Internationally, it made $460 million. So, yeah, massive sums. Half a, half a billion. Is that right? That would be half a billion, wouldn't it? But, yeah. I, I hadn't seen that one. I hadn't heard of that. So maybe worth looking into. I can't find much more details about it here. It just says, released all territories. After being left unexpectedly on the moon, an asteroid destroys the Earth, leaving Dugiu, probably pronounced wrong, being the last person in existence. So it does sound quite good. Moon Man. Let me Google that and see. Moon Man. Moon Man is 2022 film, sci-fi comedy, directed by Xiao Zhang. Probably pronounced that wrong as well. Don't, don't strike me down. A very funny science fiction film. Worth to have a look. A lot of laughing and a lot of plot of heroism. Sheng Teng is a lovely person, definitely. That's an audience review that I found on Google. Uh, let's go Wikipedia. It's a Chinese science fiction comedy, and it's an adaptation of a South... Korean illustrators webcomic series so a comic book adaptation in at number 10 from China uh, the next film number nine is another one that I haven't heard of Watergate Bridge so what on earth is Watergate Bridge sequel to the battle at Lake Changjin follows the Chinese people's volunteers soldiers on a new task and now their battlefield is a crucial bridge on the retreat route of American troops so Watergate Bridge I'm going to Google that again, see what this is. Uh, another 2022 Chinese film, Chinese war film. Um, 
So yeah, I probably shouldn't have gone to the like, the international box office. Uh, I should have gone to uh, British box office. <laughs> but the top eight all now are going to be English speaking films. Kicking off with Thor: Love and Thunder. Now I didn't even bother to watch this one. I really liked Thor: Ragnarok, which was directed by Taika Waititi. We've reviewed two Taika Waititi films on this podcast. What We Do in the Shadows and Jojo Rabbit, both great films. Um, and he's done some other good films that I enjoyed, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People and, as I say, For Ragnarok. But this film did get hammered and my son went to watch it and he came away and just said, oh, it was a mess, Dad. And I, I'm just losing interest in the Marvel films. And so should you. Let's stop watching Marvel films and try and get cinemas back to some sort of reality please so um yeah for love and thunder so even though it hasn't done very well with the critics and the audiences it is a uh it wasn't a flop so you know up top 10 grossing 760 million so three quarters of a billion number seven i did see and it is another superhero film uh and it was the batman now the Batman I was really interested in watching because when I first heard that Patterson was going to play Bruce Wayne and Batman, I actually thought, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, we don't want a pretty boy. But I I don't think of him as the Twilight films. I've never seen the Twilight films, but I have seen him in many other films and he likes to get gritty and dark you know he does some real real disturbing roles the lighthouse he was really good in that um good time which was a great film by the uh the safty brothers who we reviewed their our very first podcast episode film review was their uncut gems which i really enjoyed naif really hated i don't know if you remember that he didn't hate it but it's the sort of film that aggravated him so yeah, I was keen to watch the Batman, and there's there some good cast in that as well. Colin Farrell, Jeffrey Wright, um, John Turturro, uh, Paul Dano as the Riddler. Really disturbing. I don't know if you've seen the Batman yet, but I really liked it. It was dark. It was moody. It perhaps went on a bit too long. It felt like you know Warner Brothers and DC sort of requested that it had a big extravagant ending. You know, like the sort of superhero endings where a big event takes place and Batman has to save the day. But when it worked, you know, for the first three quarters of the film, it works more on a detective level. Just taking Batman back to his roots as a detective. And by this time, you haven't they haven't needed to tell the story of Bruce Wayne's origins again, which was good. You're just straight into it. He's already got this rapport with um, Jim Gordon who in this film was played by uh, Jeffrey Wright, who I thought was really good. So he's taking Batman into these crime scenes, walking him around. It was great. Um, Falcone was played by John Turturro, who, you know, I've seen him in lots of... He's in a lot of Coen Brothers films. He often plays sort of more light-hearted characters. And in this, he was quite a sleazy, horrible character. Uh, but Paul Dano, really disturbing as the Riddler. And you've got this sickening, you know, it's this dark sense. It was almost like a David Finch, you know, it was like Seven. David Fincher's Seven. Uh, it was likened to that quite a lot. Um, directed by Matt Reeves, 
who was famous for sort of the reinvention of the Planet of the Apes films, which I I really enjoyed those as well. So, yeah, the Batman, I do highly recommend that. And that was in at, what did we say? That was in at number seven. Number six, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Now, I didn't see this. I didn't really enjoy Black Panther, if I was honest. By the time Black Panther came out, I was getting bored. Well, not by the time it came out, but by the time I watched it, because me and my son watched through all the Marvel films. And by the time I watched that one, the Marvel films were beginning to get a bit dull. And you could really see the sort of the formula. You could see it anyway, one or two films in, you know, of how the plot went. And it always has to hit these points. And Black Panther was one of those characters that I didn't find really interesting. Uh, so I certainly didn't want to go and watch Black Panther Wakanda forever, which was number six at £842 million. So number five, must admit, I haven't watched that either. Uh, I don't know if the kids went to watch it. I think my wife might have took the kids. It was Minions, R- The Rise of Gru. Now that grossed £939 million. So that was just off of a billion which is pretty impressive, really. Um, some gr- massive money being made here. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness at number four. Uh, that also, you know, made nine hundred and fifty-five million, nearly nine hundred and fifty-six million. Uh, so that was a massive hit. I didn't watch it at the cinema, but I did actually watch this one because I was quite interested to see this. Uh, I didn't take my son to the cinema because I heard it was quite dark. It was almost a horror film and directed by Sam Raimi, who previously had made the start the Spider-Man films, the original uh, Spider-Man films with Tobey Maguire. But, but most famously, he sort of made the Evil Dead films. So he's gone back to his horror roots but in the superhero genre. Uh, it didn't he do... Drag Me to Hell as well. That was quite an interesting horror film, I remember. But Doctor Strange in the Multiverse, we watched it on Disney+. Plus, um, and I actually, I did, there's bits of it I really enjoyed and bits of it I didn't. Again, it's a superhero and yes, I'm bored of all the multiverse stuff. You know, that's it's just getting really dull and predictable and ridiculous. Um, and even though I liked WandaVision and watching this one with Wanda, out of WandaVision in this and she's now like the villain of the piece and I don't know yeah it was it was so so number three Jurassic World Dominion now I didn't go to watch this I was put off by reviews which I sort of wish I had watched it at the cinema I still haven't watched it but I didn't mind the first two they're popcorn fodder aren't they you know uh not as good as Spielberg's classic or None, which isn't as good as Michael Crichton's book. I love the book of Jurassic Park. I've read it several times. It really is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like the concept of the Jurassic World where the dinosaurs are breaking out and at the end of the second Jurassic World, you start to see reports of dinosaurs popping up in the world and, you know, we've gone that far. Sort of like uh, Ian Malcolm, uh, played by Jeff Goldblum in the original, he predicts that, you know, that's going to happen you know once you set that ball rolling it's unstoppable and now we've got to this point where you know in these sequels uh, it has happened uh number two was top gun maverick tom cruise's return to top gun which you know i heard a lot of great things about um still haven't watched it myself i still think it looks like a tom cruise film 
I remember watching a trailer and they was like going, these kids are the best of the best. We need someone to teach them who's the best of the best. Where are we going to find someone who's the best of the best? And then in walks Tom Cruise and the whole audience burst out laughing. And it's just exactly that sort of thing that I can't stand about Tom Cruise. That, you know, he can't play an ordinary person. But it has had good reviews and, you know, maybe I will watch it. I know my wife wants to watch it. But I mean, I didn't really like Tony Scott's uh, Top Gun, if I'm honest. Cheesy shit in my opinion, but who, you know, my humble opinion, but it has grossed, you know, one and a half billion pounds, so, or dollars, so it's done really well, one billion, four hundred eighty-eight billion, but number one, I have seen, I went to watch it with my son over Christmas, Avatar, The Way of Water, now, James Cameron films, I've always said, they're better at the cinema than they are on Blu-ray, or on DVD, TV, so I did want to go and watch it at the cinema. And I did enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Perhaps not as much as I had enjoyed Avatar when that was first released. I didn't watch it in 3D. I wanted to, but in the end, we just supported our local cinema and went to watch it there um, where it wasn't playing in 3D. I mean, it is mind-blowing. The effects are mind-blowing, but it's like three-odd hours long and I just couldn't be bothered to sit through it twice this time. You know, I wasn't bothered about watching it again. It was great. I did enjoy it. Um, uh, yeah, and I mean, it's not everyone's cup of tea, Avatar. And I did, you know, I've said in the past, has he l- waited too long to strike, you know? But it does expand the story. It hasn't really changed. Much hasn't changed, you know. It's still about the same Sam Worthington's character, the Avatar. What I did find really great about it, I mean, I love ocean, the ocean anyway. So you see all these ocean creatures and stuff and the whale. The effects were great. And they have to befriend these whales and then become these whale riders and things like that. Um, you know, the effects are spellbinding. The visuals are spellbinding. And it, it really hammers home sort of the environmental issues, you know. Um, but I'll be interested to see where the series goes. But what I did really love about this was that uh, there's one of the avatars was the sort of like a virgin birth from Sigourney Weaver's avatar, which they don't, I don't think they discussed in the original films, whether it's in the special edition, the deleted, the extended version, I can't really remember. But yeah, they've basically, Sam Worthington's character has raised this, girl as his own daughter and it's like a virgin birth from the avatar of Sigourney Weaver you know and she was the scientist and it's her avatar but she plays this 15 year old girl and I just think that was great and I do I love Sigourney Weaver you know she is a great actress she's done some really good stuff and you forget you're watching Sigourney Weaver even though she's like a blue CGI thing she's actually doing all the acting in a in in like a, a suit with ping pong balls all over you mustn't forget that yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind it. Avatar two, so be interested to see where they go. Um, but yeah, I mean, James Cameron is one for the cinema. You know, his films you have to watch them in the cinema. Um, despite some really shit reviews, Mark Kermode, I heard a really rubbish review. It put me off him a bit. He's done that quite a lot in the last couple of years, where he's just he isn't being so much of a review. You know, he's not reviewing films as much as letting his opinion get in the way and he's got a real disliking for sort of James Cameron I think and for Avatar and he just done this really pathetic review and I haven't listened to anything he said since really he's put me off because I just thought well, it's unfair you know 
a lot of people going out there to watch it and a lot of people really enjoy it. And it isn't, you know, it's no Shakespeare, is it? It's just a film. It's just something to watch at the cinema and it's, it's a good adventure. And uh, yeah, chill out, mate. And I got the sense that Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo, it looked like Simon Mayo probably enjoyed that film because there was a bit of a tension between them. And I think Mark Kermode's like took, oh, no, I'm the film reviewer. I'm going to say this. It looked like that. He took the high horse to that when I watched it, the review to me. Uh, and I listened to the actual podcast when it was first released, their uh, take. But yeah, I don't know. I thought it was all right. Anyway, that was the top 10. So it was really interesting then to see, though, that, you know, there's nothing new grabbing money at the moment in the, in the, in the cinemas, is there? Avatar was a sequel. Top Gun was a sequel. Jurassic Park was a sequel. Doctor Strange, Minions, Black Panther, sequels, superheroes. Uh, except for the two sort of Chinese films. One of them, Watergate Bridge, was a sequel. But that Moon Man sounds good. So, I mean, I think I will try and dig them out actually and have a look and see if they are worth sort of what they're on about but yeah avatar made over two billion pounds uh dollars at the cinema so he, he's cleaned up he's made you know let me google how much did avatar 2 cost to make oh 250 million so yeah he has cleaned up he's easily made their money back so uh, there you go, Kermode, your shitty little review had absolutely no effect. Now I'm going to go through in a second my own films of 2022 after I've read some viewers or listeners' comments from over on Facebook. Some of my listeners have um, put in their 10 pence worth over at Facebook and over on our uh, Summit or Nothing YouTube channel as well. I put a post up there as well to try and get some more people to comment really because there wasn't a lot uh nathan kent come in i did put it up at last minute i've done this all in an evening so it's not been up there for long i'll probably get loads of comments once i stop recording um nathan kent says the best is everything everywhere all at once gutted that i missed it at the cinema i Still haven't watched that. I hear it all the time, banded around. I don't know anything about it, and that's how I like it. I like, I am going to watch it, and I'd like to go in blind and not know anything about it. So that's one to look out for. Thank you, Nathan. And he says his worst was Beast. Proof that Idris Elba is overrated. Again, I don't even know Beast. I don't. I don't it's not one that I'd heard of. Um, but I'm not even going to look into it, and probably won't watch it either. Uh, Piero Canuti says. I am only including the films I went to see at the cinema. I've walked out of the cinema before the film finished twice in my life. The first being Pineapple Express, but the second was in 2022, and that was The Lost City. It's a poor man's romance in the stone, and it's way off the mark. It hits way off the mark. So, Lost City, a 2022 film. What is that? Sandra Bullock and Channam Tatum. Yeah, not one I've actually seen myself. And then over on the YouTubes, like I say, I shared it to my Summit or Nothing page, uh, which is my hiking channel, if you're not sure of that. Um, Harley Wyatt said, my top five are After Sun, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Bansy, Banshees of Inishirin, X, Elvis, and his bottom three, Lost City, Blacklight, and Morbius. Um, out of those, I've seen Elvis. Isn't that awful for a film podcast? <laughs> um Ant says, Bullet Train is great fun. James Cassidy says, uh, the best was Elvis and the worst was four 
Love and Thunder, uh, with an honourable mention for the Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Now, like I say, I need I I need to get over and watch the Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Um, it's one that keeps popping up, and it looks like in Bruges. Um, I think it's the same. I know it's the same actors, but I think it might be the same director as well. I'll have a look at that and discuss that later into the podcast. And, and Keith Chapman says, All Quiet on the Western Front is his best and his worst was For Love and Thunder. Um, Moffat Mountain Adventures says, I've got to say, love the new Top Gun and just recently watched Bullet Train. Also really good. Fortunately avoided any clangers. Uh, Jay Sonic said the best triangle of sadness and the menu and the worst was nope how is Jordan Peele making the same film over and over and people think he's a genius absolute bobbins Uh, I'm going to discuss nope a little bit later I do mention it later Um, Andrew Douglas says the best would be dog and as for the worst black Adam kids hey who'd have one Oh, yeah, me twice, damn it. Um, and then Smoking Rinder says, only film from 2022 that I watched was the Bond film. Or was that 2021? It was 2021. And then he's put, I don't know, Netflix and streaming has killed the movie industry. And Harley Wyatt has replied to that saying, I think the issue is marketing, not the films themselves, because there's still a lot of amazing films coming out every year. That's a good point. Marketing isn't like it used to be. Because of all these streaming services, I suppose, are just advertising for themselves. A lot of films aren't being advertised. You don't notice trailers for films much like you used to, do you? You just sort of see one pop up on the title screen on these things. So, yeah, I think that's a a really valid point there, Harley. Um, And Smoking Rinder, you are right. Um, It's not killing the movie industry, but it is killing, certainly killing the cinemas. So... Yeah, you lot, you just managed to get in to the podcast just in time. I've actually recorded this bit of the podcast last of all, just to make sure that there's enough comments come in to give you all time. So any that I haven't read out, if you have commented, thank you for commenting, but you just missed the boat. Anyway, now back to my 2022 films that I have seen and I shall discuss. I'm going to just talk through my 2022 and this is purely films that have been released in 2022. They're in no particular order. They're in kind of an order that I've found them again on the computer. You know, I've searched and I've been like, oh, yes, I watched that. Oh, yes, I remember watching that because I couldn't remember what I've watched. So I've probably missed some. And I'll probably, as I've uploaded this, I'll be like, damn it, I didn't mention that. And that was like one of my favourites of the year. But um, I think the first film, these are, first of all, we go into the films that I watched at the cinema in 2022 uh the first one was the northman um or the first one i could remember anyway but the northman which was the robert eggers uh viking film now i don't know about you i've sort of i'm pretty much vikinged out i watched like the first couple of series of after game of thrones had finished we was like what should we watch and we started watching the utrid son of utrid uh the last kingdom uh by the chap who wrote Sharp, can't remember his name, Cornwell. Um, I was getting into that, I quite enjoyed it. It was on BBC at first, and then Netflix took it over. Um, and then we started watching Vikings, and I don't know, I got four seasons into Vikings possibly, and I started to get a bit, oh, I'm not enjoying this now. 
it's just dull. It seemed to be more fantastic each time you watched it. And then by the time the last series of The Last Kingdom come out, I couldn't even be bothered to watch that anymore. But I was quite interested to watch The Northman because, not because it was Vikings so much, but because I really enjoyed Robert Eggers' previous two films, The Witch, um, which starred Anya Taylor-Joy and the chap who plays Finchie out of uh, The Office. Um, that was really good. And then uh, The Lighthouse with Willem Dafoe and Robert Patterson. Again, that was really good. So I was quite interested to watch The Northman. It had a bit of a bigger cast. There's a lot more people in there. Ethan Hawke, Alexander Skarsgård. Uh, there's always a Skarsgård, isn't there? You know, in these films. They're, they're all over the place. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy again was in this. Nicole Kidman. Bjork even had an appearance in it as like the, the seer. Uh, and Willem Dafoe again. It was good. I enjoyed it. But I was sort of like, I can't remember a lot about it. It didn't do that much good business, but it's got really good reviews. It was a while ago now. I can't really remember the ins and outs of it, but a historical epic action thriller. Um, I'll just read the quick synopsis. Adventure awaits Prince Ameleth, whose father was killed and mother was abducted by his ruthless uncle. However, the journey takes him through twists which unravel a dark truth about his family. And it was good. It was twists and turns and it's quite brutal uh, in places. Um, and yeah, there's a question here on Google and it says, was the Northman a flop? And it says Northman is Egger's finest work, but it was a major flop at the at the box office, which is a real shame. Um, so I think if you like Vikings, you haven't seen it yet, it's definitely worth having a look at. Uh, other films, me and my wife went to watch The Duke on a date night. It's a true story and it stars none other than uh, Jim Broadbent, Helen Mirren and Matthew Good. Goody. And it tells the story of... Uh, I'll read the little synopsis here again. In 1961, a 60-year-old taxi driver steals Goya's portrait of the Duke of Wellington from the National Gallery in London. He sends ransom notes saying that he will return the painting if the government invests more in care for the elderly. It was a great film. Jim Broadbent is just a... And Helen Mirren. They're both just national treasures, aren't they? But in this, Jim Broadbent, you know, it's quite a witty film, a little comedy drama. Uh, Jim Broadbent plays this old, it says taxi driver, but he's, I think he's like usually unemployed or he, you know, and he's always putting his neck out on the line for other people. And he's not, not a do-gooder as such, but he's, as an, he's an activist. He's an aging activist and his, his wife is sort of sick of it. She just wants him to hold down a job and not get into trouble and not get thrown into prison. He's always getting thrown into prison for, for demonstrating for this that and the other but yeah the duke of uh wellington painting it it famously got stolen um uh even so they even show a clip in it of the first james bond film dr no and bond is walking through dr no's thing and then he sees this painting of the duke of wellington and he's like oh that's where it is in dr no's secret lair uh so that was a good one the duke uh, I've got Batman here. I've, I've already talked about that, so we don't need to go into that. Um, Elvis was a good one. I'm not a big fan of Elvis's music, but I knew the story of Elvis. I'd watched a documentary about him and the Colonel, obviously played in the film by uh, Tom Hanks. So this film was Baz Luhrmann, who 
I've seen a few of his films. I really like The Great Gatsby. I wasn't such a fan of Moulin Rouge. I'm not a big musical fan, and I hated the way that they had all these modern songs and then they'd all sing them. It's, it's that style of show song sort of thing that I don't... It wasn't my thing, Moulin Rouge, but I did really love Elvis. Um, the boy, Austin Butler, who plays Elvis, absolutely phenomenal in the role. I thought he was really good. They was all good, and it was a great story, and it's told in Baz Luhrmann's usual kinetic, sort of energetic way. Really great. Um, but yeah, the, it's a brutal story, really. Colonel Colonel Tom Parker, Tom Hanks, how he hoodwinks Elvis, really. How he, he exploits Elvis. And it is absolutely sort of mind-blowing what Elvis goes through. You know, and the sad decline and eventual death of Elvis. Really, uh, yeah, that, so that was a good one. Worth watching. It's quite long, but me and Donna both went to watch that and... Both really enjoyed it. Um, but all films seem to be long these days, don't they? But yeah, really fantastic film. Uh, another one I watched at the cinema was Matilda the Musical. We took the kids to watch that. And again, I say I don't really like musicals, but this one really I really enjoyed. And I enjoyed the songs and the way it was directed. I just thought it was great. All the kids in it was great. Um the girl who played Matilda herself, Alicia Weir, she was really great. Emma Thompson as Miss Trunchbull, fantastic. And then the, as the parents, Andrea Riseborough and Stephen Graham was just fantastic. Stephen Graham had these little false teeth in. And he'd always call her boy. Um, I've seen the original Matilda film with Danny DeVito. And it's Americanized, but it's still a great film. I do love the story of that. It's a classic Voldo, fantastic sort of villains, the magic, you know, you really do enjoy a Voldo. I, I still, you know, he's still t managing to entertain now all these years on. And every now and again, a film of his will come out that's great. I think Matilda was, as I said, not so keen on the new witches. Spielberg sort of missed the mark with the BFG. How he managed to do that, I don't know, but I didn't really like it. But yeah, director Matthew, Matthew Walkers has done a really great uh, job of Matilda the Musical. So if you've got kids, uh, it's well worth a lot. Watch. I think, is it in Netflix? Is it out on Netflix? Or it was tied. I remember seeing the credits come up and it was tied to one of the, the streaming platforms. Uh, but you might still be able to find it at the cinema. Um, and then another film I watched at the cinema was Smile, which was this horror film where this, it reminded me a bit of It Follows. And there's this curse that kills people and then they come and they smile at you and then you get the curse and then you smile. It was pretty raw, pretty poor, really. I thought one of those films that just really conventional horror, really conventional jump scares. I like a horror, but it's got to be sort of twisted or get in your head a bit more psychological. This was just awful. And there's scenes of this in the cinema where they cut to like, images uh, that are supposed to be hor horrific and everyone's just laughing um, <laughs> in the audience. And I, I vocally sort of made my disappointment clear at the end and got told off by my wife for doing it publicly in the cinema. But yeah, Smile. <sighs> yeah, if you had to watch a, a horror film, I'd um, go and watch uh, 
watch It Follows first because it's it sort of achieves everything that I thought Smile didn't really achieve. Now, I think that was all the films that I watched at the cinema. Uh, and then we're on to streaming films. Now, again, we've watched loads of films with the kids, so I'll quickly get those out of the way before we go on to sort of my favourite films that I've streamed this year. So, the kids' films... Actually, one of these we did go and watch at the cinema was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Um, there's two hours I'm never going to get back. It's not really, It doesn't do it for me at all, the Sonic stuff. And there's the new Mario coming out. And I'm sure my kids are going to watch want to watch that. Hopefully my oldest son will take the two younger ones because I cannot be bothered to sit through these films anymore. You know, it's, there's nothing, nothing great coming out of them, is there? It's just cashing in. It's just a cash cow. And they're just milking it for all it's worth. Um, then streaming at home, we, we watched uh, the new Disney Strange World. It was quite interesting. Um, sort of about these explorers. They live in these mountains and they have to go across the mountains to get to the other side to see what's there because they don't know what, what's there. And they, they, they live in this really dull world because they've got no resources and they've got sort of no... I don't know, it's like a real poverty-stricken existence in this, um, in this site, in, the, in between these mountains. So the father takes the son and a little crew, and they go to explore over there. And the son says, no, I don't want to go. I like investigating plants. And he finds this, this glowy sort of plant, and he realises... That he, that's his calling. So his dad goes off and the son goes back and then it goes 20 years later and the son has made his fortune and he saved the town by harvesting this green plant and farming this, this glowy plant. But then something happens and these plants start dying and then he has to go off with these adventurers to find out the cause of it. So they go over across the mountains and they find this other world, which is hence the title, Strange World. It's... Yeah, it was pretty good. It was interesting. It was different. There was some real interesting sort of design. Uh, the kids seemed to enjoy it. So that's the main thing, isn't it, with these films? Uh, then Lightyear came out and everyone slated it and we didn't really watch it. I remember seeing a trailer for it and thinking it looked really good. And then when everyone rubbished it because they said, well, it doesn't make sense. It's not, you know, it doesn't look like it's from the t same universe as... Toy Story, Toy Story, the toy Buzz Lightyear is supposed to be based on this film. And everyone's saying it's too modern. And it's like, well, don't worry about things like that. Because the same could be said with the Star Wars film, isn't it? Star Wars Episode 1, look, the spaceships look more modern than sort of they do in the next trilogy and things like that. But So I wasn't letting that bother me. A lot of people saying it was dull. And then one night, me and my son, my middle child, was sort of lounging about me like, what should we do? Oh, let's watch a film. And he, he scrolled through and he's like, let's watch Lightyear. And I was like, oh, really? Go on then. And we put it on and we both really enjoyed it. So we're probably the few who did. I thought the visuals looked really great. It was just a slow burner, but I like that. It doesn't have to be all adventure and action all the way through. Yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. I can't really remember much about it, but it was good. Uh, another one that we watched that really surprised me how much I enjoyed it was the new Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers film. Because I remember watching Chip and Dale as a child myself. And I saw the trailer for that and it looked great. And I said to the kids, oh, let's watch this. I used to love Chip and Dale. And it was really good. 
it's not like, you know, it's a live action with your little animated cartoons. One of them is still the cartoon, sort of ink and paint. And the other one's had uh, an uplift, like like a facelift, but now he's CG. Um, and it wasn't like sort of cheesy, just for the kids comedy, like your Alvin and the Chipmunks that they watch. I can never really, you know, it's a bit inane for me. I don't really enjoy those. But this Chippendale, there was some great, humor in it great comedy really surprising hit that one um then there was the hocus pocus 2 we watched which we like hocus pocus at halloween we've enjoyed that in the past but yeah hocus pocus 2 wasn't wasn't the greatest i didn't think nothing worth writing home about and then a film called slumberland which my wife and daughter really enjoyed i wasn't i think i fell asleep for the first half of it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be honest, but we watched that over Christmas. But that was quite a touching film, to be honest, Slumberland. Um, about a little girl, she lives with her dad on a lighthouse and her dad goes out to rescue someone in a boat and she has a dream about him and sees this big sort of inky monster sort of take him down and when she wakes up, she finds out that he's dead and she's got to go and live with her uncle. Um and her uncle is Chris O'Dowd, uh, putting on an American accent. But I quite like Chris O'Dowd anyway. Um, but she, he lives a really boring existence and she sort of realises that she can rescue her dad or see her dad again in the dreams. But she, And she goes into... Well, basically, I'll read the synopsis. A young girl discovers a secret map to the dream world of Slumberland and with the help of an eccentric outlaw who's sort of an imaginary dream character that her dad used to tell stories of Uh, she traverses dreams and flees nightmares with the hope that she will be able to see her late father again Um, but it was really touching it was a bit strange the 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 outlaw the eccentric outlaw i can't remember what his name is in it it was flip and that was jason momoa um so if you're a big fan of jason momoa you might like to watch this with your children so that was basically the kids films oh yeah and then we watched that turning red well, we didn't. We started watching it. Um, I don't know if you've seen Turning Red. It's, I don't know. I don't know if it's just us, but a lot of people might think, oh, that's a really nice film, you know. It's it's teaching kids the importance of things. But it was a real, it's a metaphor, basically, for a girl who, I'll read the synopsis here on Google. A 13-year-old girl was torn between stay and her Mother's dutiful daughter in the changes of adolescence. As if the challenges were not enough, whenever she gets overly excited, she transforms into a giant red panda. Right. When you're watching it, it's blatantly obvious all about periods. And my son's picked up on this, my middle child. And he was like, it's weird, what? And my oldest son was like giggling his head off. And it, I know you've got to teach the yeah, there's ways to teach kids things and a lot of you out there might think what's the matter with you lot are you a weird family we probably are but I mean even my wife said oh for god's sake you know everything's got to be on the head these days isn't it they can't just subtly teach kids and <laughs> even my daughter she was like I don't, I don't want to watch this I don't know what it's about and <laughs> so we got halfway through turning red and we didn't finish it does that make us awful parents I don't know. You tell me. Um, but now we're getting on to the street, the films that I've streamed. Now, this is where I probably have missed hundreds. Um, but these are some of the ones that I think are most noteworthy. Uh, first of all, I'd like to talk about one I watched over Christmas. 
called White Noise, written and directed by Noah Bornback, who I've seen a couple of his films, but the one that I remember the most, or the one I'm most aware of is, he co-wrote one of my favourite films with Wes Anderson, which was The Life Aquatic of Steve Sissou. And watching this film, I didn't know anything about it. Stars Greta Gerwig, Adam Driver and Don Cheadle. Um, I didn't know anything about it. It hasn't got the greatest score on here. 63% Rotten Tomato, 5.7 IMDb. But I really, really enjoyed it because I like a strange film. I like a film that makes you think and keeps you guessing. And this film does that. But it's this like really weird family and they just sort of talk. They sort of talk amongst themselves. It's really strangely shot. He's this college professor who teaches about sort of uh, the Nazis and he, Adam Driver, he's just great in this. Um, he's a bit sort of nerdy and a bit bit strange, but just, I love the fluidness of this film. It just was really strange. It took, the direction it took was just unexpected. The synopsis basically says, college professor Jack Gladney and his family's comfortable suburban life is upended when a nearby chemical leak causes the airborne toxic event, releasing a noxious black cloud over the region that forces the Gladney family to evacuate. Well, when I watched it, I didn't know that that was going to happen. And that really blew my mind. So it starts off as this sort of strange sort of family comedy. And then it turns into this disaster film and it's... It, it is a disaster film to match anything that Spielberg's done. Like it, it had a sense of close encounters of the third kind. There were some real good action scenes. There were some really hilarious scenes throughout it. And then it's really dark. And at the end, it gets darker and it's twisted. And then it ends with like a big sort of, not a musical performance, but a dance routine in a supermarket. And it just, yeah, it, it kept me guessing. And I was just, I laughed my head off the whole way through it. I thought it was great. Um, Another one I really, really liked was the new uh, Paul Thomas Anderson film. I don't know if you're aware of Paul Thomas Anderson. It actually came out in 2021, so it shouldn't be on here, but it it did turn up in a list, and I did see it this year. It's probably released over here in 2022. Um, there's a few that have been released in 2022 in America, but have only just come out here that I might touch on in a minute. But Licorice Pizza, I think it was released over here in 2022. Um and it stars Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman. And Cooper Hoffman is the son of Philip Seymour Hoffman. And Alana Haim is like this girl in her mid-twenties. And she becomes friends with this young lad who's a young entrepreneur. And they grow up together and the, they fall in love. Slowly fall in love. He falls in love with her straight away. But she's not so easy to convince. But he's like this real funny character like I say he's an entrepreneur he keeps coming up with all these ideas she is sort of she rolls with these ideas uh, and they become really good friends uh, the Google synopsis Alana Kane Gary Valentine grow up run around and fall in love in California's San Fernando Valley in the 1970s now I love Paul Thomas Anderson films he's a director who I think just makes original films every time you're not sure what you're going to see um, the same with Noah Bornbach, uh, probably pronounced his name wrong, uh, and the likes of Wes Anderson. Even though Wes Anderson and, and Noah Bornbach are probably more stylized, Paul Thomas Anderson, every time you watch a film from him, it goes somewhere completely different. You know, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, um, There Will Be Blood. 
You know, they all sound like they're all completely different to the last one. And this one was just completely different again. It's a nice little story and it's like nice, not cute. I don't know. It's just funny, tongue in cheek. Just, yeah, really great fun. Really enjoyed it. It's one of my highlights. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front was really good. Um, One of my favourite war films was the original All Quiet on the Western Front. I say that. I always say it's one of my favourite war films. I do really enjoy it. I only ever watched it once. I've watched Platoon probably more. Uh, Full Metal Jacket I've always watched more. So it's probably just something I say. No, it is a great film. Um, And having watched the the new one, I listened to the book. They are completely different. A lot of people were saying, I didn't recognise the film. It was nothing like the book. I don't think it has to be. You know, we've seen the book made into films in the 20s. I think there was a version in the 70s. We don't need it exactly the same every time, you know. So this version, I thought there were some good changes to it. It was good to see the bloke trying to stop the war. So there's that sort of the race of him trying to get all the generals to sign the treaty to say, you know, they surrender. Um, at the same time, you know, the lads are in the trenches and you're. it's sort of like a ticking clock. And you're like, are they going to make it? Are they going to get out before the war ends sort of thing? But yeah, it's great. A great film. I like the way that when it opened up the beginning of it, it sort of shows you nature being interrupted by the war. It's like everything changes for this war. And then it shows you like the lad fall. And they take his uniform off and then it shows that uniform going through the wash and all this and then ends up back at the recruiting office. So it's like it shows you nature being exploited. Then it shows you this factory of war and basically the product of the war is the soldiers. So the soldier dies, the, 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 you follow the suit getting cleaned and washed and repacked, coming back to the recruiting agency, and then you meet our heroes, I say heroes in the loosest sense, young Germans who are sort of hoodwinked into thinking, yes, war is great, you know, we're going to go and save save our country and do the right thing. And he gets given this uniform and then it's still got someone's badge on it. Oh yeah, that's a mistake, oh, that's always on there, or something like that. So they just tear the bad, the name tag off. It should be a warning sign to this boy that, you know, you're this someone's died in that suit, you know, in that uniform. But then it is real horror of war. I mean, it's it's up for loads of Golden Globes, isn't it? I don't know how it's faring in the Oscars, but yeah, really great film, I thought. Um, but just how, yeah, war isn't great at all. Um, Glass Onion, that was really good. The sort of the, the murder mystery. From Ryan Johnson or Rian Johnson, the the Knives Out sequel. We're once again with um, a, an all star cast, including um, obviously Daniel Craig as the detective, Benot Blanc, Benot Blanc. But yeah, there was a, a great cast, including uh, Kate Hudson was really good in it. Edward Norton, Catherine Hahn, David Bautista, Leslie Odom Jr. There's a great great actors in it and i like a murder mystery and i like the style of these this one especially because it sort of it sets it up and it's a mystery to all of us and then there's like a twist in the middle so the second half is sort of the opposite Uh, really great i really did enjoy it um you've probably all seen glass onion though so i won't talk too much about that another really good um uh, murder mystery that we watched uh, I think it was on Disney Plus was See How They Run 
And I'll read you a quick synopsis. In 1950s London, plans for a movie version of a smash hit play come to an abrupt halt after a pivotal member of the crew is murdered. When a world-weary inspector and an eager rookie constable take on the case, they find themselves thrown into a puzzling whodunit with a glamorously sordid world of underground theatre investigating the mysterious homicide at their own peril. Now, this was a great film. Um... It had a sort of a mix of Hollywood cast and English cast. Um, some really great actors in it. Uh, really nice style and just easy to watch. And it was sort of based, it's not just based on the work of Agatha Christie. It's based around her play, The, the Mousetrap. What is it called? The Mousetrap? I can't remember what the play is called now. Um, with people playing characters from sort of that show running it's just really good and always good to see Tim Key in something. I, I really like Tim Key and he, he's in there playing the, the uh, like the police chief. Yeah, just really enjoyed that one. So that was one you you need to watch if you haven't already. Um, and then Prey was a good one as well. The new Predator prequel, um, which, you know, I've watched so many different Predator films not always enjoyed them, but I went around to a friend's house to watch this, and it was surprisingly good. Um, so it's it's a prequel to Predator. It's set like hundreds of years ago. A still Comanche, a skilled Comanche warrior, protects her tribe from a highly evolved alien predator that hunts humans for sport. So you know the Predator films. If you're not, my brother and I have reviewed Predator before. Um, so yeah, it really it really did take me by surprise. But it would have been a great one to watch at the cinema, and it just went straight onto streaming. It really frustrates me when that's happening more and more. Um, and then one more worth mentioning is Blonde, the story of Marilyn Monroe. Um, it's a bit of a horror story. It's it's not factual. It's based on a book as well, um, and it's the director Andrew Dominic. I'm sure he's done, like, some other sort of quite disturbing movies in the past. The Assassination of Jesse James, which I haven't watched, that I'm supposed to watch, really good, meant to be really good. Killing Them Softly. Um, but, yeah, I thought Blonde was really good. The girl, Anna de, Anna de Armas, who plays Marilyn Monroe, is really good. Adrian Brody is in there. Um, it's just all about... It's based on the fictional novel, and it's it goes to some really dark places sort of in this reimagining of her life again it hasn't done very well with the critics or fans but i watched this in a tent up on dartmoor one really windy night and i really enjoyed it and i really enjoyed the editing and the style of it the way it was filmed the performances and the music by nick cave and warren ellis as well was fantastic so yeah might not be your cup of tea but i think definitely worth a look now I just want to talk about some of the films that I haven't seen, that I've been meaning to see, that I haven't got round to yet. Um, I'm not going to go into great detail about them. Uh, and a lot of these are films that I've missed as well. Uh, some of them I don't know a lot about. I like to not know about a film. I hear like a bit of a buzz going on. If I haven't seen a trailer and I don't know anything about it, then I try and keep away. Um, I'm quite interested to watch Jordan Peele's Nope but I still haven't watched Jordan Peele's Get Out, which everyone sort of rants and raves about. Uh, it's on my shelf of films that I own that I haven't watched yet. I'm waiting to pick that one out of the pot. 
there will be some more of those coming up at some point as well. I've recorded some. I just haven't put them together yet as a set. And I've done a special one after Christmas. Just a few films that I watched leading on from a Christmas film, which is quite good fun. But haven't edited that either. Been a bit useless on the old uh, film podcast. I apologise. Uh, but I get the sense that this Nope is a bit of an alien film. I quite like an alien film. So looking forward to see what that's all about. Um, then there's the film The Menu, which, yeah, I, it's got Ray Fiennes and Anna Taylor, Anya Taylor-Joy again. Um, and it's directed by Mark Mylod. Now, what did he do? Why do I know his name? Oh, he done. Oh, that's right. He'd done the Ali G movie. But I think it's a bit of a, a horror as well. I don't know, but I'm keen to watch that. So one night I will try and sit down to watch that. Um, Amsterdam, uh, which is, I again, I don't know what it's about, but I know it's got quite a good cast in there. Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, Anya Taylor-Joy, again, she gets around, and she? Rami Malek. Um, and it's a David O. Russell film, and I quite like David O. Russell's films. Uh the Banshees of Inishman, Inishman, Banshees of Inishman, which I can only assume because it's got Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson in. Uh, I don't know. I get the sense that it's like them reuniting, perhaps, with the director of In Bruges. So I'm just googling it. Yes, In Bruges, which or In Bruges, sorry, which I really enjoyed. I didn't realise he's the same director of three billboards outside Missouri and Seven Psychopaths as well, which I've enjoyed both of those films. So I do need to watch that. I know there's some good sort of feedback about this film going on. So I need to watch that. Um, the Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore. Now, we're big Harry Potter fans in this family, but I must say the Fantastic Beasts series we've all sort of found a bit dull except for Donna she's really enjoying them she wanted to go to the cinema to watch it but no one wanted to go with her so we haven't seen that one yet what I didn't realize had come out was a Beavers and Butthead movie Beavers and Butthead do the universe now I love Mike Judge um King of the Hill is one of my favorite animated comedies um and the original Beavers and Butthead cartoons as well I absolutely loved them and the old film so I'd be really interested to see Beavers and Butthead do the universe and I only found out that that was a thing tonight when I was scrolling back through the films um uh, and then there's some films that haven't I don't think they're out here yet, or but I do want to watch. They all classed as 2022 films, so they must have come out in America before. Um, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which is Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al Yankovic. Um, my son, which is a lot, used to watch a lot of the Weird Al Yankovic parodies. Daniel Radcliffe, the trailer looks really good. I think it's a parody, sort of, of those biopics. So, yeah, I'd really be interested to, to watch that. Spielberg's The Fablemans, um, that's out at the moment. Um, that's one I really want to watch. Big fan of Spielberg films, especially his earlier films. And this is sort of about his his childhood, his parents, and how he got into the films. So that's a really one that really looks interesting. The Whale, Brendan Fraser, got a stand innovation for The Whale. I think he's uh, been fatted up for it. Um, and from director Darren Aronofsky, who I've seen a couple of his films. You know, some of them are strange. Mother springs to mind. The Wrestler, I really enjoyed that he'd done. Um, so I'd like to like to watch The Whale. And then I did watch uh, the other day Babylon, 
which is the new film by Damien Chazelle. Now, this is a strange one. I was enjoying it. It's a comedy drama. It goes into real, it gets really dark at the end. It's a bit of a mess. It's set in the 1920s. From the offset, there's loads of swearing. Donna was going to come and she was really busy in the end. She couldn't come. And she was gutted because I just like, I've got to go. I've got to go to the cinema. I haven't been for ages. So I went to watch it and I come back and I said, I don't think you'd have enjoyed that. There was just bad language from the start. Copious sort of uh, abuse, drugs, loads of sex. There was crude humour, like fart jokes and elephants shitting. Um, and I, there's some really good visual gags in it. And it's really well edited. And I absolutely loved the music. So it stars Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt. Uh, and Diego Calva, who I've never seen in anything, but he was really good. And it tells the story of the excess of old Hollywood. It's sort of like Singing in the Rains. I, I likened it to Singing in the Rains meets Boogie Nights. Uh, there's some scenes lifted straight from Boogie Nights as well. Um, but what Boogie Nights managed to do was tell the story of the 70s porn industry and the excesses of those people, but in a way that you related to those characters, you liked the characters... You sort of went with the story, um, whereas Babylon is a bit, it's a bit more, I don't know, it's a, it's a vulgar film, and I was enjoying it, but I come out, and for days after, I was like, I don't know if I enjoyed that or not, and it was one that, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, no, I don't think I did enjoy it, but I remembered I liked the, the theme tune, so I googled, I looked up on Spotify the soundtrack album, and I listened to the soundtrack album, and then as I was listening to the soundtrack album, I was remembering more and more scenes that, um, you know, I, I did like. So there's a lot about it I did like, and a lot about it I didn't, and I think now I've watched it, and I've had the shock value, I need to watch it again. And I think then I'll know if I enjoy it or not. There'll be more to take from it. But it was interesting and it was crazy. And it's a real mixed bag. You look at the reviews and people are split down in the middle. They really either hate it or they love it. And I don't know. But, you know, Damon Chazelle, I've watched Whiplash. That was really good. I haven't seen La La Land yet. And I've watched First Man and I really enjoyed that. So I, re I wanted to watch this. Seems like the good first film to watch of the new year. Um, but yeah, different. Anyway, I think I've talked enough for one night all about the uh, films of 2022. Um, I've rushed this episode out because I've really wanted to do a film podcast for a long time and I haven't and I wanted to do this all last month and I never got round to it because I've been busy. Um, so I'm rushing this out just to get something out. Hopefully this has got out in time for you to go over to the WN Movie Talk podcast Facebook page where at the moment there is a vote going on. Me and my brother are going to talk about, we haven't talked about any Tarantino films so on Sunday we're going to meet up to talk about one and we're putting the vote to you guys. Uh, at the moment Pulp Fiction is in the lead. I'm really rooting for Reservoir Dogs. Don't let that sway you. Um, but yeah, if you haven't voted already, go on over to our Facebook page. Give that a like and uh, perhaps, yeah, vote for that. So yeah, look out for the next episode. Hopefully it will be me and my brother meeting up again because we keep arranging things and then not meeting it. We're supposed to meet up, discuss Christmas films. We both watched The Producers. We was going to meet up and discuss and we didn't. So hopefully, yeah, this weekend we will meet up and discuss a film of Tarantino. Looks like it's going to be Pulp Fiction. Anyway, thanks ever so much for listening and I will see you all again or you will hear me again soon. Cheers! Cheers.